gonna ask God every single day to search me and listen for what he shows me and be faithful to where he leads me. Break me, God. If you wanna pray a dangerous prayer, you ask God to break you. That's the last thing any of us want, but on the other side of brokenness is a real intimacy with God and a dependence on him that you cannot get to any other way but through brokenness. God, I'm signing a blank contract, basically. Whatever, whenever, however, God, I'm available to you. Whatever you wanna do, my life is yours. You send me. Hey, just kidding. <laughs> um, how you guys doing? Welcome to our third and final week of this Dangerous Prayers series. Um, we started off this series, the first week was Search Me, where we looked at David's prayer in Psalm 139, where he's saying, God, search my heart, reveal my fears, uncover my sin, and lead me in the way everlasting. And then last week, we took on the Dangerous Prayer, Break Me. And we had examples from the book of Mark where we saw the prostitute who basically broke her livelihood, this expensive jar of perfume, and surrendered it to Jesus as she poured it over him. And then Jesus' own example of how he was broken and poured out for us when he died on the cross for our sins. And so now we move into this final dangerous prayer, send me, which is really a prayer of availability to God. And so when you look at the series as a whole, it's like we're asking God to reveal who we are when we're asking him to search us. And then when he reveals things to us, we're asking him to break us in the areas that are maybe interfering in our relationship with him. And then this last one, as we're saying, same way we're saying, God, we want to be open and available for your purpose and for your calling in our life. And so it's search me, break me, and send me. Will you guys just pray with me right now? God, we uh, just invite you into this time. God, um, I pray that I could become less, you become greater. Lord, I just pray that anything that is not of you would be quickly dismissed. And anything that is of you, Lord, I just pray that it would resonate in our hearts. God, I pray for fresh ears, fresh eyes, and fresh hearts, Lord, to receive your truth tonight. May we just experience your presence in a powerful way, God. And I just, I just pray for your leading and guiding in this whole process. Lord, we love you and we give you this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so as I, I think about this idea of prayer, I think of the prayer requests, you know, that we even see coming in here at Unite. I think of um, how as a staff, every Monday morning, we come together and we have prayer requests and we're praying. And in that, I, I find that we most oftentimes are, are asking God to serve a need either in our own lives or for the lives of loved ones or people that we care about. And we're like, God, please help me or God, please help this other person. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that God asks us to intercede for, for other people and he, he wants us to pray for miracles in our own life that would strengthen our faith. But I just don't think that it, we're supposed to stop there where we're always just asking God to, to do things either for us or for other people. Uh, what if we instead started asking God like, how could you, or how could we be of service to you? How could I be available and serve you? Instead of asking God to do things on our behalf, like that he would use us on his behalf. 
And I was thinking of uh, JFK's famous speech where he says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And in the context of tonight, it'd be ask not what God can do for you, but what you can do for God. And it's like, it's like being on call for God, being available for him and being completely surrendered to him. And here's the thing, though, is calling, it usually requires you to surrender your own plans and preferences and go where he tells you, when he tells you, how he tells you, to meet who he tells you, and to do what he tells you. Complete surrender. And it's not an easy type of call to get. And that's why we say it's a dangerous prayer. And we look for all types of excuses of, I feel inadequate, uh, I'm, I'm not prepared to do what God has asked me to do, or I'm, I'm just not qualified. And here's the good news, is God is not looking for perfect people. And, and if you're feeling inadequate, or you're feeling insecure, or all these different things, like, like you're in good company, because God tends to use the, those of us who are broken and flawed and weak and if, you know, if you're ever feeling inadequate, you think of Moses, who was a murderer. You think of David, who was an adulterer, and Rahab, who was a prostitute. And so many others throughout the Bible that we see that God used in incredible ways. And the same God that used these imperfect people then is the same God who uses imperfect people like you and me today. And he's inviting us to live beyond ourselves and not just to be about our comfort and to be, but to be completely surrendered to his calling, to his promptings, to go, to serve, to build, to love, to pray, to give, and to lead. And so the question is, how, how do you respond when God calls you? And I want to give three different responses that, that we could have to when God gives us a call or gives us a prompting. And it will eventually lead us to this dangerous prayer, send me. And so the first response that we could have when God calls us is, here I am, I'm not going. And an example of this would be Jonah. Uh, when God called Jonah to preach to the sinful and rebellious people of Nineveh, this was basically Jonah's response. It says in Jonah 1, 2 through 3, and this is God giving Jonah the call. He's saying, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And then Jonah's response is, it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now Jonah had the gifts. He had the power because he was a prophet. He had the ability, but what he didn't have was the availability. He, didn't, he wasn't willing in a sense. And by running away from God, he told him no. And you have to wonder, did Jonah really think that he could run far enough away that God wouldn't find him? Or, or maybe he was just pretending that, that maybe God would uh, just go away or change his mind about his calling that he had for Jonah. And I know that we can look at Jonah and think, like, what an idiot, like, that he would do something like this. But then we start to think about, like, how have we responded maybe like this in our life, like, Maybe you sensed that God gave you a prompting or a calling to do something. Uh, maybe something as simple as um, sending an encouragement gift to someone that was just really feeling down or an encouraging word or, or a thought to share with somebody. And you were like, basically, here I am, I'm not going. 
Or maybe it was something bigger in your life where God, you felt God giving you a prompting or calling to, to maybe even change your field of study or your career choice. And just like Jonah, instead you just chose to run away and you're kind of hoping and pretending that God didn't really mean that and that he would change his mind. And I'll confess, there have been many times in my life, uh, unfortunately, that I've sensed God's promptings and I basically responded, here I am, I'm not going. Uh, some examples I could think of, like when I'm driving down the road and I see someone stranded on the side of the road, I, sometimes I'll get this prompting of like, I should probably pull over and just ask if they need help. But I'm also very quick at just thinking of all the excuses of why I'm not qualified to do that. I don't know that much about cars like Peach does. Um, and so it's just like, ah, there's, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not going. Or I think about all the other things that I, I need to be doing on my way uh, passing by them. Another instance would be like when I'm in the grocery store line and I, I see that people are discouraged or something and God's prompting my heart to say an encouraging word or to maybe even pay for their groceries. And I'm just like, oh, that's strange. Like, I don't even know them. They're going to think I'm crazy. And so I just talk myself out. Like, no, I'm not. It's like, here I am. I'm not going. However, I do want to share um, a Jonah moment that I, that I had. And what I mean by that is, you see, Jonah originally did say no. But when God has his way with him, Jonah did end up doing what God had called him to do. And so I had a, a situation like that where I first said no, but then God had his way. And so my twin brother and I, uh, we were in high school. We played football our sophomore year of high school. And this was in the summertime. It was a week that they call hell week. It's the two-a-day practices, you know, where you practice in the morning and take a, a, a break for lunch and then come back later in the afternoon. Well, our coaches at the time, they asked um, for those of us on the team that lived nearby if we would be willing to adopt uh, some of the bus teammates because the bus systems wouldn't be able to go back and forth uh, to get these students to the, the practice and everything. And so we had a few individuals run up to my brother and I because we were um, one of the younger group that had our license early in, in our sophomore year. And so they came running up to us asking if they can come home with us, which you wouldn't think is a big deal. But these were not just your average Joes. Like, these were like rough around the edges kind of guys. One was like had some gang affiliations or previous gang experiences where he was shot for a drug deal that went bad. Um, we had some that, that were just known for being scrappers. They would get in some serious violent fights. And so we're just thinking like, we can't bring these guys home to my parents. And, and it just felt like, uh, I don't really know. So we, we told them no. We're like, sorry, no. And we start walking away. And then God's just like, uh-uh. That's, that's not what I'm calling you to do. And, and it's as if both my brother, at the same time, we just stopped. And we turned and looked at each other. We're like, I think we're supposed to, to take them. And we know it's God because we were like right there at our car. We could have easily just got in. And we even looked back and saw that they were already asking someone else. And so it was somebody else's problem. But we couldn't let it go. Like God was just like, no, you need to go back and they need to come home with you. And so we're like, okay. And so we, we go back to them and we end up telling them like, hey, uh, we can take you. And, and they really wanted to come with us in the first. So they were, were happy to come with us. They came to our house. We had lunch. We went swimming. <clears throat> And something I forgot to mention here, too, they, they all spoke Spanish. And I didn't even think about it before, but my parents were missionaries in Mexico for almost seven years. 
And so one of the guys got engaged in a conversation with my dad and they were, my dad was just speaking fluently in Spanish to him so I couldn't understand all that they were talking about. But when we were driving back to our practice, this guy says, you know, it's really cool uh, what your parents do for my people and how they love and care, them, care for them. And um, I would have never known the impact of that conversation. But a few days later, this same guy, <clears throat> excuse me, he comes up to us and he says, um, I want to get my life right with God. And this is the guy that had been shot before, gang experience, all this stuff. And, and he's telling us, he's like, I want to get my life right with God. And so my brother and I end up telling him, like, well, our church is doing an event tonight. If you're serious about it, you can come and check it out. And, and so we're thinking, like, oh, he takes the bus. There's no way he's going to want to come to this thing. And he ends up getting there early. And not only that, but he ends up inviting one of his good friends. And his good friend's name is Alex. And um, he was also a little bit rough around the edges. We'd seen him get in some brawls and fights, and he was known as being a tagger, which is somebody that, you know, graffitis up the, the neighborhoods. And, and so he invites this guy, Alex, too. And the two of them are coming, and my brother and I are still in this place of, like, these are not the type of people that we'd normally find ourselves hanging out with. And so there was a little bit of the stranger danger feeling of, like, oh, what are we doing? Um, we get to the church that night. And God has his way, and both of these guys end up accepting Christ. And they went from stranger dangers to, like, brothers, like, just immediately. In fact, this one that used to be a part of a gang ended up moving in with us for a month until he kind of got his feet under him. And then we found out his friend Alex lived just a block of, uh, by us as well. And so we ended up becoming, like, best friends over the years. And to this day, we're still best friends. And I just keep thinking, like, what would have happened? If I just continue to say, like, here I am, I'm not going. But thankfully, that's, that's not what happened, and, we, and we, we followed through with it. But So that's one way that we can respond, though, is here I am, I'm not going, just like Jonah did. But another way we can respond is here I am, send someone else. When God saw the oppressive power of Pharaoh to God's chosen people, he called Moses. It says in Exodus 3, 10 through 11, and this is God talking to Moses now. This is giving his, his calling. He says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then Moses continues to give a barrage of insecurities and and all the excuses of why he should not be the one to go. In fact, I think at one point even he's saying, like, I'm slow in speech or my tongue is slow, something. And God's just like, who do you think made your tongue? You know, like, like hello. And so basically Moses runs out of excuses because God has a response to everything that he throws at him. And so then Moses finally says in Exodus 3.13, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. And I don't know about you guys, but have you ever felt this way when God has called you to something? Like, like who am I? I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not good enough to do that. Or like, you might think, like, I, I can't give. I don't really have much resources myself. Like, this person over here, they have so much resources. Like, God, send them, you know? And I even think of, again, like, I'm driving on the road, see someone stranded. Like, I don't know much about cars. Like, there's other people that know about cars. Like, send someone else to do it, you know? And, and God might call us to serve, and we're thinking we might rationalize it being like, I don't have enough time. Like, find somebody else that is better suited or that has more availability and time for this. 
But this becomes the mindset of, here I am, send someone else. All right, so we have, here I am, I'm not going, and here I am, send someone else. And then we have the third and final response that we talk about. And this is more than just a statement. It's a prayer. And it's not just any prayer, but a dangerous prayer. And this prayer requires faith as it is risky and almost always moves you to action. It will probably lead you to something that doesn't feel easy or natural and most likely will lead you out of your comfort zone. It's the prayer, here I am, send me. And the Old Testament prophet Isaiah prayed this prayer of unreserved availability to God. And Isaiah retells his encounter with God when God asked, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And without knowing the details, without knowing the when and the where, Isaiah says, here I am, send me. In Isaiah 6, 8. And so as Pastor Craig shared, it's like he virtually signed a blank contract. And I believe that God wants all of us, including myself, to pray a similar prayer. Here I am, send me. If God, you want me to pray for someone, send me. If you want me to go over there and talk to this person, here I am, send me. And here's the thing, if you give God your open availability, he will have a lot of work for you to do. And I don't say that to discourage you, it's just that the harvest is plentiful. Our world, you look around, God needs some people stepping up that were willing to say, I'm available to you, God, send me. And here's the thing is like you find, and if any of you have experienced this, when you move in faith and do what God has called you to do, it's not something that's draining. It's something that brings your, your faith and your, everything to life. Like you get so excited, you get so filled up, like I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to do this in serving God. So the question is, how do you get to a place where you fully surrender and trust God to open ourselves up to this type of prayer, this dangerous prayer? And one way we can look at it is like, well, how did Isaiah get to this place? And so I want to look at three different ways what helps you to fully surrender to God. And the first way is having a genuine experience with the presence of God. And what you see is Isaiah had this experience with God. In Isaiah 6.1, it says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah, he didn't just read about God or hear somebody talking about God. He experienced the presence of God in a very unique way. And this experience, this presence, experiencing God's presence transformed him. And maybe some of you are here today and, and you recognize that you haven't really made yourself available to God. You haven't truly surrendered to him. And maybe part of that is because you haven't experienced a genuine, you haven't experienced his presence. And the good news is that you can. As you look at James 4.8, it says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah says in, in Jeremiah 29.13, this is God speaking to us. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so you can experience God's presence when you're driving and you're listening to a worship song and you just sense that he's near. 
Or you could be going out on a walk or, or doing some sport that you enjoy or you love and you just sense like God's closeness, experiencing his presence. And maybe it's been a while for some of you since you've even sought after experiencing God's presence. And here's the thing though, because you, you know when you do experience his presence, it will transform you like it transformed Isaiah. So after you experience the presence of God, it leads you to the next thing that helps you to fully surrender to God, which is to have a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. You see, after Isaiah saw the goodness of God, it led him to see his brokenness and unrighteousness. In Isaiah 6, 5, he says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King the Lord Almighty. And so his holiness reveals our sinfulness. Craig says it like this. He says, when we see how good God is, we become aware of how good we are not. And we talked about this in the first week uh, of this Dangerous Prayer series in the Search Me part, just how wicked our, and desperately wicked our hearts can be without Christ. All right, so when we experience the presence of God, it reveals our brokenness but it doesn't stop there. The third and final thing that helps you to fully surrender to God is when you have a genuine understanding of God's grace. When you experience God's grace, it brings you to the point of full surrender. And Isaiah, Isaiah describes his grace experience in Isaiah 6, 6 through 7. It says, Then one of the seraphim which is an angelic being, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So what happened? Isaiah saw the presence of God. He recognized he was ruined and broken, and then his sins were all forgiven. And it was after he experienced all these things and experienced that grace, immediately after that, is when God asked him, whom shall I send? And to which he responds, here I am, send me. You see, when you understand God's grace, it transforms everything. You realize you bring nothing and he brings everything. And so I want to share a time in my life, and I apologize if some of you guys have been around for a while, you might have heard this story for me, so bear with me. Um, but I really feel like it, it illustrated, at least for me, these this three ideas of how we fully surrender to God. This idea of experiencing God's presence, recognizing, recognizing our sinfulness, and then understanding God's grace. And so I was a part of a, a, a ministry much like this in San Diego when I was in college. And uh, we were going to be doing a spring break trip uh, where we were going to be going up to the inner city of L.A., and helping out with the homeless community there. And I remember I was working and going to school at the time, and to be honest, my heart really wasn't into the idea of, of working on a week off, um, just doing these different service projects. So I kind of didn't really want to go. And if it wasn't for my friend Alex, who I shared in the other story, who became a Christian, um, wanting to strengthen his faith, he was just feeling like, like he was in a rut and he wanted you know, some encouraging time. And so I kind of went just to be a support for him. So we get there that first night. It's a Saturday night. And the church that is hosting us surprised us by saying, 
Oh, by the way, tomorrow morning, your group is going to be leading the service uh, for us. And we're just like, wait, what? Like, what are we signed up here for? So we need to find someone who's going to speak, and we need someone who's going to lead worship. And there was one crazy guy that was willing enough to like, yeah, I'll speak. He was all excited about it. I'm just like, nope. Like, the idea, if any of you guys know me, you might not realize, but I was terrified to ever be up in front of people, uh, which obviously God has done some things in my life. Um, but the idea terrified me. And then everyone's like, well, who's going to lead worship? And my twin brother happened to be on this trip. And I can't remember if it was him that said, like, Mark knows how to play the piano. Or somebody suggested it. And I'm just like, no, no. Like, here I am. Please send someone else. And the problem is, is nobody else either could play or was willing to play. And so I found myself reluctantly agreeing to do it. Probably like Jonah and Moses reluctantly moved forward. And I did not sleep that night. And the next morning, I thought I was going to puke. Uh, I was just terrified. And I think my only saving grace in that moment was, was realizing that the piano was set up in a way where the church, the congregation, was actually behind me. I'm like, huh, maybe I could just pretend I'm actually in my room by myself and nobody's there. And so I kind of just mentally tried to trick myself. And everything went fairly smoothly that morning. Um, so much so that I, I think I got a little bit excited and was like, oh, I felt a little braver and and I was like, okay. And, and I started just goofing around with some friends there where I started just making up a song on the spot. I was just playing and singing. I was making up a song that had to do with like the theme for our week of that spring trip, which was like being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I didn't realize that the pastor of that church was, was overhearing me. And so she came up to me afterwards and she's like, hey, uh, I would love if you could play that song at our anniversary service later tonight where we have all these other churches coming and, and just celebrating the anniversary of the church. And I'm just like, no. well, one, I, I don't even know the words of the song. I was just goofing around, like, like basically, here I am. I'm not going. And um, she's just like, okay. And so not thinking much of it, the night comes. We're about halfway through this anniversary service, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and it's one of our other students, and they're like, she wants you to do that song. And I'm just like, what, are you kidding me? Like, like what's happening? And, and I freaked out, I got a pen and paper and I tried to write something down, but I was so just anxious and nervous that I, can, I was just cloud, I couldn't think of anything to write. And so then I just spent the rest of the time just praying like, like God, is this just testing me to see if I'm willing, but please like make it not happen. And then I started praying that the pastor would just totally forget and not make me do this. And it was starting to look that way. It was getting to the end of the service. I'm like, awesome. She totally forgot. I'm good. I'm clear. And then she's like, okay, we're going to dismiss now. But before we do, our group from San Diego has a special song they want to share with us. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And the rest of the group is turning back confused. They're like, we do? Like, what? Like, and, and then they start looking at me, and they're just like, oh, I think it's you. Like, and I'm thinking back now, and I'm like, maybe being in the belly of a whale is not such a bad thing, like, in that moment. And so I slowly get up as I feel like I'm walking and approaching my death. As this is, you know, it's one thing playing songs that I knew in front of the church, and now I'm playing a song that I didn't even know what I was going to be singing or saying next. And I walk up to the microphone, and I'm like, uh, I don't really know the words to the song, and so I'm just going to trust that God's going to give them to me. And I think that made them even more excited. They were just like, yeah, praise the Lord. They were just all about that. And that's exactly what happened. Like, I just started playing, and God just started giving me these words. 
like on the spot, like as I'm singing it. And started singing this chorus and it was like a choir of angels singing behind me that I just made this chorus up and they're just singing it right along with me. And if that wasn't crazy enough, one by one, the different band members from that church started walking up and they started jumping on their instruments and playing a song that I didn't even know where it was going. And somehow they knew where it was going. And I had this moment where I was like, I felt like I was experiencing a very supernatural thing in the presence of God where I'm just like, this can't be real. Like I'm playing in front of church a song that I've never knew or even wrote down any words or chords for and it was just happening. And I honestly felt like I didn't ever want this to end. And I realized this is what Elevation, Hillsong, and Bethel, they all experience. If you ever listen to their songs, their songs are like 15, 20 minutes long. They don't ever want them to end. And I get that now because I was like, I don't want this to end. It was an amazing feeling. But I realized it was time it needed to end. So I, I finally stopped. And then the rest of the church kept singing. And I just sat there and I wept. I just cried. I was just like, what just happened? And I realized part of why I wept too is because I experienced God's presence. But I also, in that, felt so unworthy because I knew my attitude of going onto this trip. I knew that I was being reluctant the whole way. I knew I was being negative and I was focusing on all my fears. Like that song said, fear is a liar. I was listening to all of that. And I just felt like even with all this ugliness and brokenness inside of me that he still chose to use an imperfect person like myself to have this amazing, incredible experience. And I remember like afterwards too, my twin brother and his wife came running up and they're just like, that was amazing. And I was just like, I, yes, it was amazing. And it was just, I couldn't fathom that God allowed me to be a part of something like that. And it changed me. And then the crazy thing is that there was another opportunity that just popped up in that same week where they're like, we're going to be going to an all-Hispanic church and we need you guys to, to lead. And it's like, who's going to lead worship? And I went from being this reluctant person to like, here I am, send me. And the cool thing is that my friend Alex, uh, he translated the song that I had just made up into Spanish, like the chorus part of it. And then so he shared his testimony at this church. And then I got to, to sing this song in Spanish too, like to this church. And I just remember thinking afterwards like, God, what else am I scared of? I just felt so incredibly available to him. Like, God, whatever you want from me, I am no longer scared. Like, I just want to go where you tell me to go and to do what you want me to do. I was fully surrendered. So here's the thing, before you think that you can pray, send me and be done, let me warn you that just like search me and break me, these are not one-time prayers and then you go on with your life. This is another prayer of daily submission to God. Search me, break me, send me. And why are these prayers daily? Or why do we say these prayers every day? Because when you submit your life to Christ, your spirit comes to life. You were born anew and your spirit is connected to God's spirit. And from that moment on, there's a war going on within you. And Paul from the New Testament calls it a battle between your flesh 
and spirit. And by flesh, he's referring to your old sinful nature. And so your old sinful nature, it wants to do what's easiest for you. And your new spiritual nature wants to do what glorifies God. And so these two natures just duke it out multiple times a day, every day of your life. In fact, it's described in Galatians 5.17, saying, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And so the Holy Spirit inside you says, live for God. And your flesh says, live for yourself. And so when God calls you, there's that temptation in that flesh side of us, much like Jonah said, is, I'm not going. Or like Moses, send someone else. So in closing, how do we stay fully surrendered and submitted to God so that we can come to a point where we're actually saying with our spirit, here I am, send me. And we do that by daily feeding our spirit. And I love this quote from Craig. He says, what you feed grows. What you starve dies. And so we feed your spirit by spending time with God, reading his word, talking with him, praying with him, enjoying God's goodness and, and fellowship with other believers like you guys are doing tonight. Or maybe doing some of the things that you just naturally love and you sense God is close. Do these things to feed your spirit and starve that sinful nature that's within you. Instead of feeding your sinful nature and doing whatever you want to do and starving your spirit. So in review, what helps you to be fully surrendered to God? Having a genuine experience with, his pre with the presence of God. Two, having a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. And three, having a genuine understanding of God's grace. You know, there's a reason why Many followers of Jesus do not say this prayer, send me. It's because they're afraid, much like you and I are probably afraid. You know, I used to think that if I made myself fully available and surrendered to God, that it might mean that I have to sell off everything I own and move to a third world country and become a missionary, especially being, you know, having parents that were missionaries. And that might be God's calling for your life. But I think more likely, he wants you to be a missionary right where you're at. And again, you look at the world around us and the hurt. There's so many hurt and broken people out there. And at such a time like this, God is asking, whom should I send? What will your response be? Here I am, I'm not going. Or here I am, send someone else. Or here I am, send me. I want you guys to, to contemplate that question. We're gonna move into a time of reflection where 
We're going to play a song that probably most of you don't know, and that was intentional, where we want you guys to, to be still before God. Maybe if it's been a while since you've sought God's presence, to just do that, to be still and just seek him. It says again, you draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Be still, listen for his voice, for his calling and his prompting in your life. And then we'll come back and we'll, we'll sing it all together. So if you pray this prayer of availability to God, I will warn you again that he'll have a lot of work for you to do. As the harvest is plentiful, and God is not looking for perfect people, he's looking for willing people that open their hearts and their lives and they wanna be, they wanna make a difference on, on God's behalf. Again, I want to encourage you guys, feed. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. Feed the spirit. And I promise you that on the other side of the fears, the insecurities, and inadequacy, it's an amazing blessing of seeing something that God and only God can do. If I ever even thought back five years ago, would I ever be standing up in front of a crowd of people? No way. You see, it's one thing to, to lead worship. It's a whole nother thing to be speaking in front of people. And I probably wouldn't have ever done it had I not experienced what I experienced and what I shared with you guys and seeing how good and faithful God is when we take those steps of faith. And it was because of that reminder, I was like, okay, I don't feel adequate to be the director here. I don't feel like I'm good at speech. And I'm like, oh yeah, Moses used that excuse already. And here I am. I came to a place where I was like, okay, God, send me. And my hope and my prayer is that each of you would experience God in an intimate way like that. Again, I share like my hopes and dreams is for each time you walk through these doors that you fall more in love with Jesus. We wanna make a difference in our world. We wanna make a difference in our lives. Fall in love with Jesus. Open your hearts. Be available to him. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite,
follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm-hmm.